Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, we love you. We welcome you here uh, to grow us, to teach us, um, to challenge us by your holy word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to dig right into scripture this morning. Uh, we are in Acts 9, 19. And if you remember last week, we talked about Saul's encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. It was uh, what you might call a burning bush experience. He met Jesus in a very dramatic way, bright light. He was blinded. And then it wasn't until somebody from the body of Christ, Ananias, prayed over him and restored his sight that he was made whole again. And this dramatically changes his life, right? Uh, most, much of the New Testament we have because of this experience, because his life dramatically changed. And so uh, we're picking up here in Acts 9, 19b, uh, and where his ministry is going to start to change too, and we're going to dig into that today. So I'm going to work us through this scripture passage this morning. So this is Acts 9, 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. So Saul goes from meeting Jesus on the road to being welcomed into the family of God because of Jesus' work in his life. And now, he had some really well-developed gifts, I think. Uh, there was a reason he was going around persecuting Christians and arguing against Jesus Christ. I think he had a pretty good intellect. I think he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He describes himself. He was passionate about God's people. He was passionate about God's law. And he hadn't yet discovered that what Jesus was saying wasn't actually in conflict with that. He hasn't discovered that yet. So Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus, and now he starts to use his gifts for something different. His life has been transformed, and those who hear him and hear this new message from Saul, they are astonished, it says. They question if this is the same guy that they heard was coming to persecute Christians and to throw people in jail. They thought Saul was coming to cause havoc and to break up the church, yet here he is in the synagogue preaching, and it says even proving that Jesus is the Messiah. That's a pretty big change. So he's struggling with a reputation, though, right? Um, how many of you have ever struggled with a past reputation of yourself later in life? Uh, maybe you grew up in Story City, you moved away for a while, and then you came back, and you were a little different. And maybe people saw the old you, right? This, uh, this makes me think of some times in my high school year, particularly my junior year of high school. Uh, it was kind of a bummer of a year for me. I was down a lot. I was depressed. I was living with pretty, pretty bad focus, I would say. Um, I put all of my, uh, my self-worth in what other people thought of me. A lot of us do that in our youth, right? And so that was a, a rough year for me. And some of my closer friends, who I spent a lot of time with, they were starting to sort of leave the church path. Um, and that wasn't something that I wanted to do, but I still wanted to have friends, right? So I was conflicted about this. And it caused a lot of internal struggle. And I had a youth director at the time who uh, referred to me as Pody. That was my nickname, Pody. 
Uh, back in seventh grade band, there were a couple trumpet players who kind of became friends later, but they, it wasn't a friend sort of thing at the time when they nicknamed me Pody. So I became known as Pody all through junior high and into high school. And so Pody, junior year of high school, goes to Riverside for a summer to be a junior counselor. And I've talked about that. It comes up a lot because that's such a big experience in my life from my past. And Pody changed in those 11 weeks, right? If anybody wants their life to change, spend 11 weeks at Riverside in a row. I, I promise you, your life will change for the better. But my faith regained this traction that I had had earlier. And a lot of the things that I was conflicted about my junior year, I was no longer conflicted about. Um, I like to say that my faith became my own faith, not my parents' faith, not my youth director's faith. My faith became my own faith that year. And so going back to Cedar Falls at the end of the summer, um, I was no longer Pody. I was no longer this person that everyone had come to know as Pody. And I remember getting really angry with my youth director who continued to call me that just to get under my skin. Not a very good youth director. No, no, she was awesome. Um, but I told her, I killed Pody. <laughs> Pody's dead. I buried him. Uh, I am not Pody. I am Andrew. I am not the same person that you knew me as last year. God had done something in my life, and I wanted to shed that old reputation because uh, that wasn't me anymore. I, was, I felt like I was something much more in line with what God desired for my life than what I had been living before. So I was Andrew now. And, and Paul's going to deal with the same thing, right? Paul's reputation was far worse than Pody's, and his 180 was far more drastic than Pody's was. But his reputation for being against Jesus spread pretty far, right? He was ruthless. He oversaw the stoning of Stephen and many others who were persecuted as well. And now in his conversion, he's going to kind of have to prove it. He's going to have to kind of prove that he isn't that guy anymore. So picking up in verse 23, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. So here's some proof that he's changed, right? Here's some proof that he's not the same person. Those who used to support and applaud him are now against him, and they want to see him dead. You see this in our world, too, right, and in our politics especially. Um, you know if it's a real change in position if the people who used to vocally support them are now trying to drag them through the mud, right? This is what's happening with him. The establishment of the Jewish faith uh, that was so applause, uh, they were applauding him as he persecuted Christians, now wants to see him dead. Because his message has changed. He has changed. And so they want to sabotage him. You see this too when a gifted athlete transfers from one school and goes to a rival school, right? Maybe some of you felt this way with Fred Hoiberg. When he left Iowa State, went to the pros, that was okay, right? But then he went to Nebraska. Oh, man. And in doing so, he, he made an enemy out of Iowa State and Iowa, at the same time, right? And I remember being at one of the games, his first game back in Carver-Hawkeye Arena uh, in Iowa City, and Fred got a lot of booze, okay? Now, Fred's a good guy, I hear, and I wish him well in Nebraska, which isn't happening. Uh, <laughs> but, but the truth is, um, 
this happens, right? Like there was this drastic change. Somebody you used to love and be supportive of, and now you really don't want anything to do with them. That's what's happening with Paul. And now he is like enemy number one of the leaders of the Jewish faith. He was their best star in defending what they understood God's law and God's plans to mean. And now he's gone to the other side. He's gone to the side of Jesus. And in the eyes of many Christians, until they get to know him, he's still going to be that persecutor. So let's continue with verse 26. So Paul escapes, and he came to Jerusalem, and he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. They didn't believe it. He has that reputation again to work against. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and he debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And then throughout the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. (coughs) Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So this is a big change. Now he has advocates in the body of Christ. Barnabas advocates for Saul. He vouches for him. He gives credibility to Saul's testimony that he's not just trying to infiltrate this church to destroy it. And Saul stays with those believers in Jerusalem, and eventually they move him away because there's another threat on his life. And now the believers have his back. He is part of the family of God. And this is what this message kind of boils down to today. Like Saul is part of a new community now. He's not part of his old community. He's part of a new community because Jesus has given him a new message, a new purpose for his life. So there's a couple of takeaways out of this text, I think, for this morning. And, and the first is this, and this is a good thing. Um, this was a good thing for me to contemplate, too, when it comes to humility as a church leader or a pastor or somebody who kind of makes this their life, right? Uh, It's amazing how sometimes we can be 100% certain in our own minds that we are doing God's will and that we can be completely wrong, right? Maybe some of you have had experiences in your life where you were just sure this was what God wanted and a week or a year later you're on your face. It didn't work out the way you wanted it to. And I think that we need to welcome Jesus to cure our spiritual blindness because we all have blind spots, None of our faiths are 100% perfect. None of us are Jesus, okay? There's still this thing called sin working in opposition to God's work in our lives, and there's still areas where we don't have all the truth because we are not God. And I think there's, a, there's sometimes a lack of humility amongst the church and Christianity And God has called us to be humble and open to Jesus changing our minds. We aren't necessarily supposed to go out to wherever in the world and try to find our minds to be changed. But we should be open to Jesus changing our minds like he did with Saul on the road to Damascus. 
And we want Jesus to change our hearts and our lives on a variety of topics and areas where we might think we know exactly what is, but maybe God has something different. Saul was so certain that what he was doing was God's will in persecuting Christians, and he was wrong. Praise God for showing him how wrong he was. And if there's areas of our lives where we need to be, correct, be corrected as well, I pray that we would be humble and allow Jesus to correct us and shine his light in those dark places. So that's one big takeaway. Um, there's areas of our lives where we can think we are so right, but we need to be humble and be open to Jesus continuing to form us and transform us into the truth. And so the second thing is here, Paul's dramatic conversion, it changed his community, right? His people were no longer the Pharisees or the Jews, or the strict Jews, I would say. There were still many Jews within the church at that time. His people were those who believed that Jesus was Lord, that he rose from the dead, and that this was a message worth devoting their lives to. This is his new family. When he encounters Christ, this conversion gives him a new family and a new people. And that family looks a lot different than the old family. Maybe some of us have had experiences like that in our faith too. And then the conversion changed his message. His message was no longer beware followers of Jesus. It was Jesus is Lord, Son of God, and Savior. He is the Messiah. Repent and turn to Jesus. We tend to put Saul, later known as Paul, on this pedestal as a hero of the faith. Today in Confirmation, we were talking about David and how messy his life was and how imperfect he was. Paul was not a loner here. He needed the church. And every single one of us here needs the community that the church has to offer, whether we realize that or not. We need other believers to support and encourage us just as he needed other believers to vouch for him and to take care of his well-being too when there were threats against his life. And this is what I realized all those years ago in high school when Pody was laid to rest. My life message changed that year because of my time at Riverside. It changed. And the community that I wanted to be a part of changed a little bit too. I needed other believers to support and encourage me as well. So I ask you today, what is your conversion story? From the waters of baptism, or something as a teenager, or as an adult, where are the points in your life where you can say, God met me on the road and it changed me? Where are those points in your life? Your conversion story doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to have blindness as part of it, right? For most of us, this is an ongoing conversion. It's an ongoing story, and I think God wants it to be. This isn't a one-and-done thing when we're following Jesus. We are people who are marred with sin, but we are redeemed through Jesus and the cross, and now our lives are his, and our lives should be in the process of becoming more and more like that of Jesus Christ. That's the point of Christ living in us and working through us. And you may never be just like Paul, that's okay, God didn't make you to be Paul, he made Paul to be Paul. But you are no less a follower of Jesus and you are no less kingdom, capable of kingdom work than he was. Every single one of us in here, God can and wants to use to his glory for his kingdom here on this earth. 
After Paul met Jesus, he was willing to humble himself before God and follow God's path for his life. And that's an example for each of us today. How is God empowering and changing your life and your community? How is God changing your message to be one of hope and life because of what Jesus has done for you? And where might we still need to be changed and corrected? Those are some thoughts I want to challenge you with as we close. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for this testimony that we have. That we get to see Saul and Paul's life unfolding. um, All of the challenges that come with it, but also his assurance of your goodness. His willingness to be corrected. His humility in being one of the biggest advocates for the gospel, but never claiming that he had it all figured out. And Lord, I pray that we would learn from his example, that our lives, that our lives would be changed by you. Sometimes in big leaps and sometimes in little steps, Lord, we pray that you would work in our lives. You would make us more like Jesus. Lord, would you change this community and this world through us? Like Saul, like Paul, may we be torchbearers of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.